This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Ghanem. And I'm Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a really fantastic show today. And the focus of the show today is going to be on the apartheid state of Israel and all the practices that it continues to do despite international condemnation. All the illegal let alone immoral acts it continues to engage in. And we're going to be talking to uh, Zaina Ashrawi Hutchinson, a human rights activist, who's going to tell us a little bit about how the Israeli apartheid government decided to put all these uh, humanitarian Palestinian NGOs on the terrorist watch list, which is absolutely ridiculous. And then, guess what, Jamal? We'll be talking a little bit about how the Israelis are desecrating Palestinian cemeteries to build three theme parks. And then after that, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about just the kind of outrageous activities that this government continues to engage in despite being internationally condemned across the board. So if we have any time left over, I want to say a few things about the coup d'etat in uh, Sudan. So we've got a lot, we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, just uh, just just when we think that uh, the Israeli apartheid regime, you know, has been done as far as abuses and and committing more uh, violations of human rights, something else pops up. You know, that's right. And I I I think this is part and parcel of the silence of the international community, part and parcel of the United States looking the other way. That they feel that that they can keep getting away with these absolutely uh, atrocities, absolutely. and so absolutely. every time we talk about something, something else happens. And the latest of which, Israel is now targeting Palestinian human rights organizations and labeling them as terrorist groups. And we will talk later on about why they are choosing this this label. So first, let's uh, listen and watch. Uh, Zena Ashrawi Hutchison talking about this. On October 22nd, the Israeli Defense Ministry issued a military order designating six Palestinian NGOs as terrorist organizations. The six targeted organizations are Adamir, Prisoner Support and Human Rights Association, Al Haq, Bissan Center for Research and Development, Defense for Children International Palestine, the Union for Agriculture of Agricultural Work Committees, and the Union of Palestinian Women's Committees. The ministry has accused the organizations of being affiliates of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, PLF, PFLP, a Marxist-Leninist political party. The Israeli regime has yet to provide any proof to back its claims. But to Palestinians, it's clear that this is the latest bid to criminalize Palestinian civil society. Joining us to discuss this and more, Zena Ashrawi Hutchison. Zena is a Palestinian-American activist and DNC delegate from Virginia. Welcome to Arab Talk, Zena. Thank you so much for having me, Jamal. Before we get into the weeds of things, how important is civil society to Palestinians who are living under Israeli occupation? I mean, it is absolutely essential from documentation to protection of Palestinians, uh, both the rights and physically. 
uh, their presence forms a barrier between the Israeli military occupation and a defenseless people, essentially, and gives the voice to those who remain voiceless, whether in Israeli military prisons or uh, the families of those who are murdered or to the International Criminal Court or to the international world for people to see the, the reality that is happening on the ground. Uh, from an independent, objective human rights perspective, they are absolutely essential for protection and for projection of what is happening on the ground in Palestine uh, by the Israeli military, by the Israeli army. So this recent attack on a Palestinian organization is not happening out of uh, the blue. What do you think, uh, why is it happening actually now? What's the, what's the timing of it and the purpose? So I think it's a misconception that the, that um, that this is a new thing. Um, this is a strategy long used by the Israeli regime um, and Zionists to attack any person or entity that threatens its impunity in Palestinian erasure and colonization of the land. I mean, we've seen this over decades. They use it to silence, discredit, and criminalize solidarity and witnesses to their crimes, as well as repress dissent and any form of resistance. They've been doing this for decades. They've exiled outspoken Palestinians and civil society members. They've assassinated outspoken civil society leaders and, and human rights defenders. Um, they've obviously imprisoned uh, um, um, civil society leaders and human rights defenders. So this is not new, but what is quite uh, uh, you know, disturbing about this particular case is that they've done it all at once and without any, I mean, not that uh, before they provided any evidence, but they've done, they've done this um, um, randomly and, uh, you know, combining these civil society and human rights organizations together all at once uh, to silence them because they are reaching the world, because they are making a difference, because they do see that the Israelis can't control them anymore. They can't silence them. Uh, so I do believe that the timing in and of itself is not necessarily the issue. I think the the way in which it has been done is uh, to be clear, these particular organizations are renowned internationally for their uh, their critical human rights and social work. Uh, just to give you some example, Adamir provides crucial uh, legal and social support to Palestinian political prisoners and their families. Al-Haq has spent decades documenting human rights abuses by the Israeli regime, collecting collecting in, invaluable data and, and winning many international awards, actually. The Union of Agricultural Work Committees supports Palestinian farmers in the face of ongoing oppression and land theft. Now, my experience with these uh, organizations, uh, when I wore my other hat with uh, an NGO, which uh, internews uh, working on uh, media development, uh, several of these organizations were supported by through USAID and and the EU, right? So yeah. so designating them as um, I mean, the question is really what will happen if Israel takes action above and beyond just the terror designation? I mean, what will happen to these organizations in the eye of funders like USAID and and uh, the State Department and the EU and and other countries? Um, I, I mean, I, I have a, a good example on what will happen. I mean, not too long ago. In fact, um, DCIP and Al-Haq and others and Bissan were raided not too long ago in the summer and um, their offices destroyed uh, without any legal basis. They just entered and stole and destroyed and they left, except for one place where um, they attacked Shada Ode uh, and, and got her out. Of, and, and she is still in prison right now. They, they took her from her home. 
Um, she is a civil rights activist and a leader. They took her from her home um, and she is still in prison. They raided her, uh, the offices, took what they needed, and um, she's still in prison. So this is this is a strategy that, that they have used. And we do see already what they can do to others who are in civil society, who are uh, actively engaged. Um, so it's it's dangerous. And, and forgive me, I just want to elaborate a little bit on this, that it's not necessarily a coincidence, as you were mentioning earlier. Um, these particular organizations were targeted uh, for example, we have the Palestinian prisoners who are on, are on hunger strike and on the verge of death. Um, these Palestinian prisoners are bringing attention to administrative detention uh, around the world uh, by Israeli government uh, against the Palestinian people. So they are bringing attention and awareness towards that. Al-Damir is working around Palestinian prisoners and, and administrative detention. So it is not a, you know, a coincidence that this particular organization is being targeted. Um, same thing with DCIP, Palestine. Like you were saying, a lot of these organizations get funding and support from American and international organizations. DCIP Palestine um, is now working here in the United States as one of their aspects that they work on to promote Palestinian human rights, culminating in something like the HR 2590 uh, uh, sponsored by, you know, Betty McCollum. And they are bringing attention and awareness towards Palestinian children's living, children and families living under Israeli military occupation. Uh, and in, in Israeli prisons. And so they are being targeted because now the world sees are, and are getting attention. Um, in addition, like Al-Haq, they are bringing uh, the case towards the International Criminal Court uh, against Israeli violations of human rights of Palestinian people. Um, so the targeting is extremely important because they know the importance of these organiza organizations and their connection overseas, um, from, you know, overseas in Palestine. Additionally, um, somebody like, for example, Brad Parker, who is the, the uh, um, executive director of DCIP here in Washington, D.C., he was prevented from speaking at the United Nations for his role uh, as a DCIP uh, leader, particularly because they're trying to silence him. Same thing happened with Isa Amru. They did the same raid against Palestinian civil society member. Same thing against others. I mean, it is it is systemic. It is continued, and they try to discredit these organizations and these people in order for the funders to stop giving them funding and to promote the work that they do. So yes, I do agree, and we do see what can be done. I mean, they've they, like I just said, they stop people from speaking out publicly. They imprison Palestinian leaders and confiscate their their stuff. And we, you know, uh, like I said, Saudi um, is still in prison right now uh, under administrative detention with no charges, as far as I. I know. So it is extremely dangerous and extremely outrageous that they are able to do this without with impunity. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, we know, uh, I mean, uh, the Israeli occupation uh, systematically raids uh, Palestinian organizations. They raid uh, the media, media officers, radio, television, arrest journalists. Exactly. No one is stopping them. Or, I mean, th this has been the case for, for many, many years. But this is the worry. That's why I've mentioned this is that once you designate these organizations as terror group, it will affect their funding. And that's, I think, the main aim because, for example, last year, the European Union began implementing uh, funding clause requiring Palestinian beneficiaries of uh, its financial support to vet all individuals uh, working for them to ensure that they are not, for example, involved with any Palestinian political party on a terror, a terror list. That's why many, for example, organizations and in international organizations, they have they face a, a dilemma 
uh, operating especially in Gaza because of uh, Hamas in Gaza. So even though they are humanitarian, whatever, because if you come in contact with, let's say, with Hamas, any member of Hamas, and, and you could have a family member, let's say, a member right. of Hamas, right. and then you lose your funding because you're now aiding and abetting a terror organization. And that's, that's I think, uh, uh, is the is the goal really the main the main goal? So uh, I think on Monday, State Department spokesperson Ned Price uh, denied Israeli claims that the U.S. was provided with advance notice of plans to declare these six Palestinian civil society organizations uh, as terrorist organizations. Uh, uh, and he also noted that there is a delegation, Israeli delegation, heading to Washington. I, I don't know if, if, if they're probably, as we're talking, they might be talking to uh, the State Department. Do you buy this? I don't. Um, I think I think it's hogwash. Forgive me. I think it's it's. Uh, and quite frankly, like I, I said earlier, it is it's. I don't care what they do if they they knew or they didn't know about this designation because I truly believe that at this point it is not just incumbent. It is. absolutely necessary for the United States, the State Department and the Biden administration to come out and complete, um, uh, you know, to to resist this and urge the Israeli government to rescind it and, 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 you know, reverse it. I don't buy that they didn't know. I think they know uh, and they knew, but it's irrelevant at this point. It's time to take action. Lip service is nonsense. Biden administration ran on their record for human rights or, or ran touting their human rights interest and, you know, supporting human rights. They're so quick to judge other regimes and governments and, and, and um, you know, condemn them for their human rights abuses and, and the imprisonment of, of activists and human rights activists and, and civil society uh, unless it's Israel. So, but this is also part of a, an extended strategy. Colonization in Palestine and the oppression of the Palestinian people don't happen in a vacuum. Without the support of the United States and the impunity and the funding that we give them, this would not happen. Um, so uh, whether it's Biden, whether it's Trump, whether it's otherwise, you know, successive uh, uh, U.S. administrations have not really stood in the face of Israel against the oppression of the Palestinian people. It's all lip service. And the only thing in my opinion that that they will probably be discussing is how to manage the public, uh, uh, um, you know, how the public sees this uh, rather than actually discuss the human rights of the Palestinian people. We have known this before the Biden, you know, if Biden administration truly has the Palestinian rights, human rights, civil society interest at heart, um, they would have come out with a statement already. Uh, in fact, they would have uh, opened up the, the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem, as has previously previously been discussed, because that has been in conversation for such a long time. Uh, they don't have uh, our rights, uh, you know, in, in uh, our, our rights in their interest. Um, but uh, in addi- additionally, uh, you know, the Trump administration stopped the funding for UNRWA, for example. The Biden administration came back and had so many blocks in front of refunding UNRWA and conditions and, and what they needed to do to refund UNRWA. As a simple example, these are refugees, Palestinian refugees. Um, they still to this day, we don't have any confirmation on, on true uh, improvement in UNRWA funding. We also, they, they, uh, the, the Trump administration recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and moved the embassy. The Trump administration, knowing full well that this is against international law, um, hasn't done anything. In fact, they supported it. So it is, you know, I, I think it would be 
silly on my part to to really think that the Biden administration is willing and ready to come out right now and, you know, defend the Palestinian people's human rights, um, quite frankly. So, yeah, they're going to meet. They're going to discuss the continued coloniz uh, colonization of Palestine in ways that harms them less publicly. Um, so, yeah, I don't buy it. I think it's just a ruse at this point. Do you think they... They're just basically giving Israel a wink and a nod. I mean, they, they were aware of this and they're just looking the other way. Of course. I mean, I don't see how else they can do this. I mean, they've, they haven't stopped anything else, have they? I mean, in terms of settlements, like they talk about the settlements, right? The Biden administration was like, oh, we, we, we oppose building more settlements in the West Bank, for example. This is political talk for We will look away for everything that's been done. You build on the ground. We haven't come, you know, we can't stop you from building, but we will say this publicly just to appease the public. But really, they're not taking substantive steps to stand in the way of Israel. They're still funding them. And not just this. We just saw another billion dollars go to, to Israel after hundreds of Palestinians were murdered in Gaza. And, and Israel is still not held accountable for this. So to, to assume that this ongoing uh, erasure and criminalization of Palestinian resistance and existence uh, is going to change with this U.S. administration, uh, I don't see it. I would be happy to see a statement. I urge and demand that the U.S. administration and Blinken take a firm stand and, uh, you know, reverse, ask Israel to reverse this um, designation of these organizations. But I don't see it happening. We've seen it before he was elected. He wasn't serious about endorsing Palestinian rights and supporting the Palestinian people. Uh, the only difference between, in my opinion, the, um, the administrations is, or if we see sort of a division between the Trump administration and the Biden administration with regards to Palestinian rights is, or with regards to Palestine and Israel, is who has provided more for Israel sooner. Um, so I think it's lip service. I think it's theatrics. And I don't buy any of it. So uh, I know you're involved, of course, we, in, in the intro, you're a Virginia delegate and, and uh, you were involved in the DNC along with other Arab Americans and Palestinian Americans. And there were discussions. I mean, I mean, I mean, we're looking at it now. You have supporters within the party. You got Barry McCollum, you got uh, Rashida Tlaib, you got Ilhan Omar, uh, AOC, uh, and other members of, of the uh, Democrats who basically have spoken against uh, the occupation and the abuse of Palestinian children. You don't think that this is kind of changing the tide uh, within the administration, that at least within the party, you have this group of vocal uh, congressmen and congresswomen uh, who are opposed to the Israeli occupation? Um. I mean, as I've said, this is before, I mean, this is a huge improvement from not having a voice in Congress. It's absolutely necessary and important. In fact, a lot of these same people, Betty McCollum, Rashid Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, um, Carson, uh, Chewy Garcia, uh, um, Jamal Bowman, all of these incredible, Ayanna Presley, all of them came out in support of these Palestinian institutions that, you know, are, are now outlawed or criminalized by Israel. And so it's extremely important to have their voice. Um, but it's not enough, Jamal. Uh, I think it's, and I don't blame them, absolutely not. I think they're doing everything that they can to support us, which is why it goes back to the conversation that we had earlier, uh, which is the administration in of itself and the platform of the Democratic Party has to change in order for uh, 
true change in the approach towards the Palestinian people happens in Congress. So long as we have people on top who are blindly supporting Israel, blindly funding Israel, uh, there will always be this division uh, in Congress where, you know, we're marginalized. Those who support Palestinian rights are marginalized and, and categorized in just as progressives. Whereas when you really think about it and talk about it, the Palestinian rights issue, whether it's the human rights of the Palestinian people or rights in general or political rights or any rights of the Palestinian people is not a political factional thing. It shouldn't be progressive versus moderate versus conservative. This is an essential conscientious decision that people have to make. We are seeing colonization and Palestinian erasure in front of our face, getting to a point where there's no turning back. And in my opinion, this reflects poorly on anybody who is in power who is willing to sit back and allow these organ you know for example these organizations to be criminalized and the voices of the palestinian people to be silenced knowing full well what is happening on the ground um uh, without doing anything about it the, the complicity is so unbelievably blatant at this point because an another example is they don't need congress jamal we saw this when uh, when biden just gave Israel the $750, uh, $750 million in weapons without behind the, the back of Congress, behind without any approval. So there are ways to go around, you know, about this uh, um, without getting those in Congress who care about Palestinian rights involved. Um, but it is necessary and it's about time that Congress realizes and recognizes that Palestinians aren't going away and that our rights are just as important as everybody else. And Israeli impunity needs to end now, not necessarily just because um, colonization and, and, and ethnic cleansing are not a good thing, but also because here in the United States in particular, we have a history that we are fighting against as we speak here domestically against uh, uh, abuse of minorities, against a uh, uh, history of sl slaves, slavery, against a history of, of white supremacy and not necessarily history. Currently, we're experiencing it. Uh, yet we have the, the elected officials and leaders in government have the nerve and the audacity to deny the most basic of rights um, DCIP, like we said, has HR 2590 currently in Congress. This is one of the most basic bills that demands uh, accountability for the funds that we send to Israel, right? Even that they are not willing to sign on to. I mean, we have 30 representatives who have signed on to it. But basically, they don't want to support the rights of children, really. Let's be, be frank, right? I mean, it's uh, the most basic rights to me as a Palestinian. That's the, 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 you know, the, the very least thing you can ask for. We're asking for don't demolish Palestinian homes, don't steal land and don't imprison Palestinian children, though that shouldn't be, you know, rocket science. But it is it, Israeli impunity is so apparent in American government and so entrenched in American policy to the point that they are willing to deny the most basic rights of a defenseless people. Um, and not just that, but continue to supply and empower the offenders, the aggressors of this. Um, and the narrative is shifting also in the sense that, and we see this regularly, Jamal, um, they can't control what people see. The internet is open. Everybody is seeing on the ground what Israel is doing to the Palestinian people. Everybody recognizes that what is happening is wrong. Um, and so the only way to stop this 
and stop this recognition and the validity of our voice uh, or the you know the reach of our voice is to outlaw they've always arrested they've always killed they've always exiled and imprisoned but now they have um they have reached a point where there's no turning back for them they they've and it doesn't happen it doesn't happen uh, away from everything else as they are outlawing these organizations they are also stealing land and confiscating land today uh, in the Yusufia cemetery or you know the past couple of days in the Yusufia cemetery they're building a park on top of Palestinian uh, uh, you know graves, graves. Yeah. exactly so the the silencing of the narrative is not just for those who are alive but those who are actually dead Palestinians who are dead in in, in the ground they're they're building a park on top of the cemetery um it is it's absolutely outrageous they've demolished the, the other day i mean today actually this morning they've um dug up water lines to to villages and all of these everything that i'm talking about now is being documented by the organizations that they've outlawed to support you know public attention and international attention towards it uh, so I mean, their strategy is shifting because they're changing the facts on the ground, because now people are seeing what, what, what they're doing and they're going as fast as they can so that it can't be stopped. Well, they've been uh, labeled as an apartheid regime uh, by uh, Human Rights Watch and by their own uh, human rights organization, B'Tselem. So I don't know how much <laughs> they're able to cover up uh, their action uh, on, on this topic. <laughs> They've discredited B'Tselem as well. Yeah. So, I mean. yeah. Well, on, on this topic, Human Rights Watch and, and Amnesty International, who work closely, by the way, with, with many of these uh, uh, groups that Israel is labeling as terror groups, uh, issued a joint statement. And I'm just reading from here. This appalling and unjust decision is an attack by the Israeli government on the international human rights movement. For decades, Israeli authorities have systematically sought to muzzle human rights monitoring and punish those who criticize its repressive rule over Palestinians. Is this enough or what else is needed to be done by human rights advocates across the globe? I think the human rights advocates across the globe are essentially doing everything that they can. I think it is incumbent on governments to take a, to take a stand at this point and actually do substantive, substantive change. I don't know what it would be, what's in their power. I think uh, the best recourse would be the ICC and to support the investigations into Israel um, uh, and, you know, support the work of those who, who are, and they do, who are working in Congress to uplift Palestinian rights. Uh, I think, the onus is on elected officials and those in power to actually make the change and and, and do the demand. I think uh, civil society and human rights organizations are essentially powerless, if you will, because we saw uh, Omar Shaker, human rights representative, was kicked out of Palestine not too long ago uh, for speaking out, you know, against Israel's uh, atrocities. So they are targeted. They are, in my opinion, doing the best that they can as human rights organizations, putting pressure on the government. But it is incumbent on the governments themselves and elected officials and representatives all over, not just in the United States, in Europe as well, to take a stand and, and demand a, a reversal of these decisions. Zain Ashrawi Hutchison, thank you for coming on Arab Talk. Thank you so much for having me, Jamal. And hopefully uh, we can speak another time when uh, on better terms. And hopefully the, the Palestinian organizations will be free to speak up and nobody will be under threat anymore. You bet. Thank you. 
That's the voice and the face of Zena Ashrawi Hutchinson, human rights activist. Um, she she uh, nails it, Jamal. I mean, this is part of a pattern and a practice of the apartheid regime to kind of, in some ways, you know, get creative about the forms in which they exert their oppression and occupation on Palestinian civilian life. This is just, you know, another creative attempt that an occupier is using to try to control, you know, uh, a, a civilian Palestinian population. It's pretty outrageous. Yeah, it's a war on, on Palestinian civil society. And and basically what Israel is saying that, and, and, and I want to talk about the terrorist label because it's very important. Yeah, it has uh, implications. Because, yeah, it has huge implications because, as you know, these are nonprofit organizations. They are dependent on donations and, and grants from foreign countries, right. you know, right. from the EU, from the United States. Actually, some of them receive aid from USAID, from, from the State Department. Well, so, that's, the, that's right, Jamal. Not only do they receive aid from the U.S. State Department and USAID, these organizations, and we'll get to some of the specifics, are universally regarded and respected throughout the, throughout the world and get money from the EU, get money from all over the world. So you're, you and Zena are exactly right. This is an attack on Palestinian civil society. These are organizations that have been around for decades, Jamal, and trying to promote humanitarian and, you know, building of uh, Palestinian civil society. So, so when you label these organiz organizations as terror groups, you know, you're going to scare off funders because we right. know, for example, the United States has a law that you cannot aid and abet terror organizations. That's why a lot of human rights organizations don't want to even work in Gaza because of Hamas, because Hamas That's is right. on the terror list of the United States while the PA is not, or Fatah is not. You know, this is since Oslo, they've changed the, their formula. So most of these organizations are based in Ramallah. Very few operate in, in, in Gaza because they want to distance themselves. Uh, even, as you know, the UNRWA came under attack, and, and, That's right. and, and they suffocated UNRWA by stopping finances uh, uh, going from the United States to, to UNRWA. So that's the United Nations. So the latest gimmick is once they label them, they're going to scare off uh, uh, American uh, organizations from helping them or government, uh, uh, the government from helping them. They're going to scare, scare off the EU and others. I mean, listen, Jess, one of the organizations has a, an office in Washington, Defense for Children International, I mean, all well, I, that I, I they wanted, do is really focus on Palestinian children, and they are labeled now as a terror group. But I want to just, I'm glad you brought up uh, the Defense of Children International, Jamal, because it's an organization that I've worked with on and off throughout the years. And not only does this organization have an office in Washington, not only does it receive money and funding from the United States, from the EU, and throughout the world, but this organization is dedicated specifically to helping children, Palestinian children and their families who are being tortured uh, by the Israeli military. These are children who get arrested. And I mean children. We're not talking about adults. These this are is children. what Representative McCallum spoke 
That's against, right. You know, the abuse That's right. that Israel commits, uh, you know, on, chil- on Palestinian children. But these are children, Jabal, who are put in indefinite detention, not allowed to see their families, not allowed to have legal representation, not allowed to have adequate uh, conditions for being confined illegally under international law. And this organization has documented over the years the kind of abuse that the Israeli military uh, does to these children, and it amounts to torture. And, you know, to label them, it's the terrorists labeling their victims as terrorists. Another organization, Jess, is the Union of Palestinian Women's Committee, which focuses on Palestinian women's rights, equal pay, health care, and so forth. They're now labeled as a terror organization. Yeah. So the big picture, Jamal, it's, it's, uh, it's an attempt, and there's a number of points that we have to keep on making here. Not only is it an attempt to uh, subvert, undermine, and continue to crush any aspect of you know rebuilding and building Palestinian civil society, they're doing this, the, the apartheid regime is doing it at a time when Biden's poll numbers are low, when the EU is going through its own transformative process right now, especially with the change in government in Germany, you have a lot of international destabilization going on. And, you know, frankly, Biden and the Biden administration and the State Department have bigger problems on their hand than having to confront and deal with the apartheid regime of Israel. So, you know, we've said about, we've said this, uh, Bennett is no different from Netanyahu. They understand that they can get away with murder yet again. The United States will not hold them accountable. The State Department will not hold them accountable. Although we did hear a very weak statement from Secretary of State Blinken that they were in talks with the Israeli uh, foreign minister about why these actions were being taken. It's, it's, it's a joke. It's a well, I want to come to the, the second reason why I think that there is this uh, Israel declared war against Palestinian civil society, which I actually didn't discuss. We didn't have the time to discuss with Zena. As you know, Jess, now uh, organizations, settler groups who are actually uh, stealing, as you know, Palestinian land. Right. They right. receive a lot of money from American organizations. That's right. And taxpayers' money. And actually, those organizations collect the money and give people a, a tax break, right? These, these groups. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, um, I would say, um, commotion over this. Uh, as of recently, trying to stop the flow of money from the United States... As you know, that there was an investigation in Canada. There is an investigation going That's on right. about That's these right. about these groups, and so this is a countermeasure that Israel is taking to scare off these governments. They're saying, if you're going to pass laws to stop uh, our, organi- our our supporters in the United States and in Canada from funneling money to the settler groups. Which is which? Who are violating, by the way, international law? We're going to attack Palestinian human rights civil organizations. Yeah, I think civil that's society. Exact. So that's kind of like a tit for tat. Which is, by the way, there is no balance. There is no comparison because the settler groups they funnel money out of the United States, money out of Canada, get deductions for it to to basically fund the uh, the, the land theft. 
and the eviction and the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians. While these, while these organizations, like I, we named few, like Al-Haq, for example, focuses on legal rights. Other organizations focus on women, on children, and on children. Well, I think that's exactly right, Jamal. This is a typical Israeli strategy of um, kind of going on offense to protect what they believe are their international interests from uh, from the uh, accountability that the international community wants to put on it. And the rea- the reality is is that Canada and other countries want to hold this apartheid regime with some element of accountability for their, you know, violations of human rights and international law. And when they smell that, Jamal, when the Israelis smell that, I think you rightly point out they're going to go after Palestinian civil society organizations. And we can't emphasize this enough, Jamal. These organizations are celebrated, supported uh, uh, throughout the world, everywhere, uh, you know, from from, you know, Canada to the EU to Africa and to Central and South America. I mean, these are really and the United States. I mean, let's let's be real. The United States funds these organizations, too. So this is a a particularly uh, ugly attempt by the apartheid regime to continue its efforts to uh, control, you know, Palestinian civil society and to undermine it. It won't succeed, obviously, uh, but it's a it's an attempt. But I think we have to go back to this, Jamal. I mean, we have to hold the Biden administration and Antony Blinken especially uh, accountable for this, for their lack of any ability to do anything about it. So we're in the middle of this big budget crisis in the United States right now with Biden trying to pass his uh, Build Back America plan and, you know, basically all these negotiations going on internally between the House and the Senate. It's occupying uh, Biden's mind. We have issues with China and with Russia. So, you know, the United States and the State Department and the executive branch under Biden just doesn't want to take this on. So we we know that we're kind of entering the period where the Israelis know, you know, basically from October through the new year, where U.S. in, in uh, uh, interests are are kind of domestic frequently, and there's no time that for 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 the U.S. government and the, our State Department here to kind of raise any uh, uh, red flags against the Israeli government. So they always take it. They always take advantage of it, Jamal. We need to be prepared for that. Before we end the segment, we just want to remind our listeners. Uh, actually, the actions. The, the Israeli occupation uh, has taken against uh, any of 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 the of what the list that I'm going to talk about uh, the, the ones they criminalize or call terrorists. So, la- latest of which, of course, being a human rights organization, then you're you, a, you're terrorist. a terrorist. If you call for for an investigation by the ICC, they try to criminalize you or vilify you. If you call for UN advocacy, same thing will happen to you. If you call for boycotts, then you are an anti-Semite or uh, or another label. If you protest, then you are a criminal. If you go on a hunger strike, then you are also a criminal. If you call for uh, or condition 
military aid to to Israel, they vilify you. I mean, <laughs> if you document things that happen on the ground, they vilify you. It's a whole list. If you look at this pattern, anything that basically sheds light on what's happening on the ground, they will attempt to vilify you or criminalize you or call you a terrorist or call you an anti-Semite. So um, we made this point many times, Jamal. We need to say it again today that the Biden administration, despite having all the progressive support that they, they received in order to get elected to beat Donald Trump, are proving yet again that the Democrats and the Republicans are really no different when it comes to supporting this uh, apartheid regime. And um, it's it's unfortunate. They're going to lose support from the progressive wing. I mean, this is a very delicate time right now as we're getting into the 2022 elections. I mean, bottom line is, is that if progressives don't get energized, um, Biden will lose the House and he has a chance to lose the Senate. And the one issue that many progressives feel very committed about is holding this apartheid regime accountable for its human rights abuses and its atrocities. I don't see the Biden administration rising up. I don't see how they're going to support progressive, you know, elements within the Democratic Party. And guess what? A year from now, we're going to see that they're going to lose the House. They're going to lose the Senate. And I'm going to say today, Jamal, you're not going to like this. I have a prediction that Donald Trump has an excellent chance to be our next president, given what's going on right now. So uh, shame on the Biden administration, shame on Antony Blinken, shame on the State Department for letting this uh, apartheid regime get away literally with murder. You're listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. On another topic, you know, even the dead are not left to rest in peace. Under no, the they Israeli occupy occupation. the dead. The, the Israelis occupy the dead, Jamal. They occupy the dead among Palestinians. That's I don't know if you saw the, uh, the pictures or the videos yes. of, of mothers, uh, parents, and family members being dragged away from yeah. Al Yusufiyya Cemetery where their loved ones are buried uh, by Israeli uh, police. Uh, as uh, digger trucks leveled land uh, for a new park, uh, they want to have park. a theme park, you know. And 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 you know they've been demonstrating every day. Of course, Palestinians have uh, been saying that that the project encroaches on a centuries-old Muslim graveyard beneath the eastern wall of Jerusalem's old city. Uh, and now Israel was to put a theme park. And this is, by the way, something that is not new. The same thing was done to Memela Cemetery. Right. We spoke about this in in West Jerusalem. This is the East Jerusalem where Memela Cemetery actually has graves going back all the way to the Crusaders era and before. That's and, right. And part of it was converted to a park. And then the other uh, part which we spoke about this issue is you had the uh, uh, Simon uh, Simon Wiesenthal Center taking some of that part uh, of that those graveyards actually removing the graveyards and erecting what they called a tolerance or museum for tolerance or something like this. Imagine, I mean, the irony yeah. in that removing well, you know yeah. the dead it's to create a museum. 
it's tolerance only if you happen to be Jewish. If you happen to be Muslim or Christian Palestinian, then there's no tolerance for you, even for the dead. And I think that's that's really the outrageousness uh, that we need to highlight here, Jamal, is that even the dead are occupied. I mean, we have cemeteries in Palestine that, as you said, go back before the crusading time, crusaders' time. I mean, families have been burying their loved ones in cemeteries for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and are being occupied even while they're deceased. Uh, whether it's the building of a tolerance museum or desecrating, uh, Jamal, these, these grave sites that you and I have witnessed in Jerusalem on many occasions. Now they want to build a theme park on, on the deceased. So, uh, so my question to you on this, did you see anything about this in, in the American press and the mainstream media? No, no, and, and actually we're, we're posting a little bit uh, of a video to show you. Right. A sobbing mother trying to cling to her son's gravestone. I mean, this this has been on. This was reported actually on on right. BBC, on on Russia Today, on other networks, but not on CNN and other uh, you know uh, cable news networks right here in the United States. And I I could imagine the out outcry if this was if you reverse. The roles, if these were Jewish cemeteries uh, being desecrated, be it in the Middle East or in Europe, and we know the outcry. But as far as this goes, again, I mean, these this is the purpose of our show to highlight things that are not uh, that are not covered on in That's the mainstream the whole point. Me- media. That's the whole point, Jamal. You're exactly right, and uh, it's our obligation to bring these stories to our audience and to the audiences, you know, that we have all over the world about this, but especially in the United States, where there's, you know, functionally, Jamal, there is a news blackout when it comes to Israeli atrocities and the apartheid Another Another news blackout, you know, while we're on this topic, Jess, is that you remember when Israel, the, the most recent attack on Gaza, and, right. and is, Israel oh, yeah. decided to level off the associated, associated press building. Yeah, the entire building. The entire which they said, Which they said housed terrorists. Exactly. So, just two days ago, the Israeli armies, this is, I'm quoting from here, this is by Major General, General Nizan Alon, uh, who conducted the investigation into Operation Garden of the Walls. That's how, you know, Israel gives different names to these operations. And how it influenced public opinion said that destroying the AP tower created a severe PR damage uh, for Israel. And then he goes on to say the Israeli army's decision to attack a high rise that housed the Associated Press news agency in Gaza was a mistake. Not, not that it was immoral, not that it was wrong, not that it was illegal, not that they miscalculated but a mistake. And look at look at the language, Jamal. Not a mistake because it killed innocent men, women, and children. It was a mistake because it wasn't good for Israeli Hasbara, for their PR. It's yeah. an outrageous statement. I mean, imagine if Palestinians, again, I like to revo- reverse the roles and to see how the reaction will be in the United States or in Europe or, uh, or elsewhere. If the Palestinians leveled off 
12, or I don't know how, how, how many stories this building was, 12-story was- building in the middle of Tel Aviv. And then a few months later said, oh, I'm, we're sorry. I do not even say so. This was a mistake because it was bad for our image. Unbelievable. I mean, the statement in some ways is as bad as the atrocities that the Israeli military uh, committed. They're not admitting guilt, Jamal. They're just saying that we think we failed in our PR, uh, uh, our Israeli Hasbara. We failed in that way. We shouldn't have done it, not because it's immoral or, as I said, killed innocent civilians, but because it didn't look good from a Hasbara standpoint. I think it's an outrageous thing, Jamal. I think For it's those who have forgotten the, the circumstances uh, around this thing here, Jess, Israel accused, well, said, you know, that this building housed Hamas, which it didn't. And you had many statements for those who worked inside that building. Most of them worked for AP, others for other smaller, right. smaller news organizations. They went out and said, listen, there isn't a single Hamas member in this building. This building houses journalists, cameramen, soundmen, technicians, etc. This is it. And Israel did not listen to their pleas and decided to give them, I think, something like three minutes or five minutes to evacuate the building. And they leveled just out of anger, out of of revenge, out of whatever. They leveled off this building and and insisted to the last minute that this was used for launching rockets and for housing Hamas fighters, which it didn't. And uh, I remember AP objecting and, and filing a complaint and, and, and other news agencies came to its support. Then the story died, right? Then the of course story it died. died. Now, when this came, this news came, I was expecting like vindication for AP and other international journalists to kind of pick up the story and say... They haven't. We told you so. We're going to hold you liable and criminal. Nothing. It's just like... We're talking about it now. This is just a blip in the news that came. And actually, AP was forced to report it. Reuters put it on the wire. But in general, it's not a subject of a discussion to show just the defiance and and going against the international community and international law by Israel to go and attack, and which we know, attack journalists and attack their own housing and building. So why not use this information with the ICC, International Criminal Court, proceedings that is the Israeli military continues to engage in a pattern and a practice of humanitarian uh, atrocities committed against Palestinian civilians, Jamal? I mean, this is no different than the other ICC complaints. I mean, there there could be hundreds of ICC complaints, Jamal, if you really look at it carefully, when you look at how Palestinian civilians are targeted, how Palestinian infrastructure is targeted by the Israeli military. And let's not forget, Jamal, that the Israeli military gets most of its weaponry from the United States. And as I recall, there's a law in the United States saying that you can't sell arms to a country if it's going to be used to attack civilians. So here we go again, uh, American-made weaponry being used to target and to kill innocent uh, Palestinian civilians as well as infrastructure. Well, my question is, I mean, we know uh, when you advocate for Palestinian rights, most journalists shy off or they're scared from talking about it. But now we are talking about 
the media itself being uh, targeted. And my question That's to right. you, Jess, is why American journalists, why journalists who work for Associated Press and other organizations are silent about this? Well, we know the answer. They're silent about it because they're 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 weak and they're terrified of of the label of being called anti-Semitic. I mean, that's that's it, Jamal. I mean, there's a general consensus around mainstream media reporters and editors and producers to keep criticism of Israel as quiet as possible. We just don't see it anywhere in the press here. As we've said before on many occasions, Jamal, we see more critical analysis of these immoral, illegal apartheid practices from Haaretz, from an Israeli newspaper, than we do from American uh, newspapers here. People are terrified of being labeled as anti-Semitic, and um, as long as that fear is generated in newsrooms across the United States, we're, 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 we have to put up with it uh, for a long time, unfortunately. But we'll never stop reporting what we believe in. It's too bad we don't have time to talk about the Sudan. We'll <laughs> Maybe talk we'll about talk it next week. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about it next week, but there was a coup in Sudan, Jamal, and it it's just interesting that the government that was ready to establish, you know, diplomatic uh, relations with the apartheid regime of Israel is being was deposed. So, there's a lot to say about that. Well, I'll add to this also, this happened, I think, a day or two after Feltman, remember Feltman, right. uh, who was deeply involved, involved in Iraq, went right. there, and then he left, and then a day or two. So, so we yeah. also need to talk about the timing of it. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot to say about it. You know, I've been to Sudan, you know, and I, I will talk quite a bit about that. But, you know, as we say, next week on Arab Talk. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com, to download all our shows. Talk to you next week. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.